the HD Movie Podcast may contain mature content, strong language and spoilers. Hello and welcome to episode 124 of the HD Movie Podcast. I'm Darren Gaskell. And I'm Hayley Alice Roberts. And in this episode, we're taking a break from the horror and weirdness of the last couple of episodes for some pleasant romantic comedy fitting of the date that this episode is coming out. We are looking at 2010's Leap Year, directed by Anand Tucker. It's a leap year, it's February the 29th, and we're covering 2010's Leap Year, directed by Anand Tucker, and it is a Spyglass Entertainment production in the years before they so royally fucked up Scream 7. And the least said about that, the better, because it's still leaving a bitter taste in my mouth. So, Leap Year 2010, what is it about? Well, I'm just going to read the generic synopsis that is listed on IMDb for you all. Laura's personal life consists of one affair after another. She meets Arturo and the pair enter an, in- and the pair enter into an intense, violent sexual relationship. As the days go by, Laura crosses out the days on the calendar, revealing her secret past to her lover. Uh, Arturo, I think, hang on a minute, are we talking about Leap Year, the Spyglass Entertainment rom-com, or are we talking about Leap Year, the Shaved Vagina movie? Oh, shit. I was reading the wrong synopsis. Well, I haven't watched the Shaved Vagina movie, so we're going to have to do the 2010 Amy Adams rom-com. Well, I think, to be honest, I would have taken Shaved Vaginas over the pile of dog shite that is 2010's Leap Year starring Amy Adams. To read the correct synopsis now, I'm going to read it from Claudio Carvalho, Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, who is a prominent synopsis writer on IMDb, and we've read out his synopsis before so without further ado here is the correct film that we did actually watch where i lost the will to live here goes anna brady of boston is a planner who stages apartments for realtors she's been dating cardiologist jeremy for four years and they are buying a high standard apartment in davenport together she expects him to propose to her on a dinner date but he doesn't soon after he travels to dublin for a conference She decides to join him there on February 29th and propose to him in accordance with an Irish folklore tradition from the 5th century of leap year proposals by women. However, bad weather forces her plane to land in Wales and she can't find a connection because the Dublin airport is closed. She decides to travel on a supply vessel but a storm forces her to disembark in Dingle. Anna walks to the only restaurant and inn and hires the unfriendly owner Declan to drive her to Dublin. Declan agrees to drive her as he needs the money to pay off his debts. 
but their journey is fraught with incidents. Yeah, it is fraught with incidents, none of which are the least bit interesting. Now, I was going to start off by going on about how no Irish stereotype is left unturned in this movie, but before we get to that, Welsh stereotyping is on the agenda before that. Now, being that one of us is Welsh, clue it is not me, then I'm very interested to know what Hayley thinks of the outrageous Welsh characters in this movie. Well, so my eyes just roll to the back of my head, to be quite honest. So the stereotyping of Welsh people in this film, they're in Cardiff Airport, and of course you're going to have every employee in Cardiff Airport that's going to have a strong Valleys accent, a strong South Wadian twang. That's not the case. People, in, Not everybody in Cardiff talks like that. Cardiff is very multicultural. You wouldn't necessarily get a Welsh person on the desk. I'm sorry, but it's like you could get anyone of any nationality, and I just thought... Yeah, this is just really, really cringe. And I was thinking if this is the disservice they've done to the Welsh, wait till we get to the Irish. And I mean, we discussed bad Irish stereotyping in Leprechaun last year. Well, I think this is a notch too far. This is even worse. I've never been to Ireland myself. The scenery looks absolutely breathtaking in in certain scenes. And I'd love to visit one day. I'd, I'd love to visit Dublin, but... This film did not give me that urge to just like want to jump on a plane and go now from Cardiff Airport. I agree about the Leprechaun reference. At the side of Leap Year, Leprechaun is a beacon of cultural sensitivity. I don't know what they were thinking. Whoever wrote this, it's every Irish cliche rolled into one and shaken up and spat out on the screen. The local pub is very much the stereotypical rural Irish pub. Somebody in the opening conversation when Amy Adams' character gets there even says, to be sure, at one point. As soon as they were saying those lines of dialogue, my feeling was, oh God, I remember how bad this was. This is my second time watching Late Beer. I remember seeing it one Friday night and I think the weather was bad and I wasn't feeling particularly well. And it just happened to be on the one of the movie channels. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to give this a whirl. This should be quite undemanding. Oh, God. I wish I hadn't. I felt ten times more ill at the end of that movie. So the second time coming to watch it, I thought, you know what? Maybe I was too harsh on it the first time. Maybe it wasn't the right time. Maybe I just wasn't in the mood for a rom-com. Maybe the second time, I'll feel a lot different about it. Unfortunately not. Having said that... Amy Adams is lovely in this movie and she tries her level best to get something out of this pick and tries her level best to make her character likeable and the focus of the movie and she succeeds a little bit but it doesn't stop the movie being an absolute nightmare to sit through. Everything you can see coming and if you've seen the trailer then you have actually seen most of the movie. The trailer takes you up to about an hour and 15 into the movie if you've seen it. So it gives away a lot of the major plot points. You don't get the very, very end of the movie. But yeah, if you've seen the Lake Bears trailer, you don't really need to see this movie because you've seen pretty much 80% of the movie and you can probably guess the end from that. There's no need to watch it. So a couple of minutes of trailer, you're done. But the rest of it, it's just so contrived 
and dull and lacking in humour. And Matthew Good, I like him as an actor. I just do not know where his accent comes from in this movie. It's kind of Irish. It's kind of not. It leaps about all over the country, heads back to England, nips over to America at one point. It's just a thankless role and I hope he got paid a lot for it. I think that the basic lure for him was that he could be nearer home while he filmed a movie. So he got to spend time with his family, which is good because there's no other reason that you would have been in this movie. The end product is absolutely terrible and every bit of island they go to it's just crammed with stock characters who behave in a way that no human being would and there's just too many contrivances in the plot and to be perfectly honest when you're introduced to Anna Amy Adams and her boyfriend Jeremy at the start Jeremy's played by Adam Scott both pretty good comedic talents both pretty good actors even at the start, you just think, why are these two people together? They just don't seem to fit. And even when she's with Declan and she's confronted with the fact that maybe she's with the wrong guy, I'm thinking, these two don't seem to fit either. Amy Adams needs to be with somebody completely different, like, say, some ageing ginger film reviewer, that sort of guy. Yeah, so when the lead actor of this movie states how bad it is, then I don't feel too bad for dissing this. So this was my first and only viewing of Leap Year. I will never touch this film with a barred pole again. Because, as you say, it's utterly contrived. It's ridiculous. There's no humour to it. And it's just very odd in places. Like, a lot of the setups in this film just reminded me of a horror movie. You know, I mean... You know, she walks into the pub and it's almost like the slaughtered lamb from American Werewolf. And you think, oh my God, are these people going to murder her or something? And then she goes to stay in, in a room in the inn and it is the most dilapidated room you'll ever see. And she causes like a massive power cut. Everything just goes awry very quickly. It's just very slapsticky, very farcical, but so far-fetched that you can't take it seriously. And... Honestly, it just is completely a ridiculous film. I could not invest in the romantic leads because they did not really develop anything between them. It's just like one minute they can't stand each other and they're bickering and then suddenly, um, for no reason, they fall in love. And then you've just got these weird side characters. So this feels very hallmarky or like those Netflix Hallmark-esque films like A Castle for Christmas. It's that kind of weird locals that they portray in this. And it gets specifically weird when they go and stay at a and b with this guy they meet on the train station because the last train has gone. They've missed it because of some slapstick that's occurred before that, which sees Amy Adams rolling down a hill and basically falling into mud. And then it gets to this scene, and it's basically this old-fashioned Irish couple who are very traditional and they will only allow the two leads to come in to stay with them if they basically say that they're married. They do not agree with premarital sex. And then they just basically say, oh, yeah, we're, we're married. But obviously they don't wear wedding rings and this is never addressed at all. Like the couple don't question it. Oh, they've just told us they're married. But we're, if they're married, why are they not wearing wedding rings? I mean, I'm sure not everybody does, but I mean, it's a little bit implausible in this case. But it gets even stranger when they're sat around the table having dinner. And I'll get to the dinner part shortly. But 
this whole weird thing happens where there's this other couple there and they basically start snogging passionately at the table. And then the weird couple insist that Amy Adams and Matthew Good's characters have to kiss each other in front of everyone. And it was a really uncomfortable scene. And this is following a chicken death. This is a romantic comedy. This is meant to be a feel-good film. And yes, we get a chicken death, which came completely out of left field. Matthew Good's character offers to cook dinner for everybody in the B&B and they're outside and there's a few chickens. I'm assuming they're kept for eggs, maybe meat, obviously meat. He's just casually there talking and he brings this chicken's neck. Okay, lovely. And in the process, it makes remarks about vegetarians, which obviously, as a vegetarian myself, you know, you don't need to do that. You go and eat your meat. I'm not going to have anything against you, but you seriously do not have to make digs at vegetarians because there is nothing wrong with people's personal choice of food. Very, very bizarre scenes, and it lost me after this, and I thought, where the hell is this film going to go now? The road to nowhere, clearly. And as you say, at the beginning, we just get this whole setup with her and Jeremy, and he's a cardiologist that we get reminded of every 20 seconds, and she's meant to be running off to Ireland to propose to him, and then obviously she falls in love with somebody else along the way, and it's been like three days. I just don't really understand how this is plausible in any sense of the word. There's no build-up to it. There's no chemistry between anyone. And it just goes from batshit scenario to batshit scenario until we have a very, very contrived ending, which sees her getting proposed to by Jeremy, what she's always wanted, but she's not sure at this point. And then her and Declan go their separate ways. And then it's like, oh, right, how are we going to get them together now? She's engaged to the guy that she's been chasing for the whole movie. Oh, we need to basically make him out to be a bastard. That's what we're going to do. And we're just going to shoehorn this in right at the end. So the only reason he proposed is because, again, the people who were selling the apartment to them would prefer it if they were a married couple rather than unmarried. Again, it's this very strange old-fashioned sensibility that's thrown into this movie from many characters it's as if being unmarried or being in like a a long-term relationship you know it's not good enough unless you're actually married unless you've signed that piece of paper so that happens and then to just spoil the ending she decides then okay he's not going to marry her for her it's just a legality right so she goes back all the way to dingle to get back with declan and then she basically says you know, let's not make any concrete plans. Let's just see how things go. And he's like, no, I want to make plans. And what happens? They get married. And that is the end of the movie. And it's like, yeah, so basically marriage conquers all. Marriage is the only way you're going to get your happy ending. Yeah, it's quite puritanical, this film's view of having people married and that's the pinnacle of relationship achievement, which I think is nonsense. Not just nonsense, it's absolute bollocks, which is also what the movie is, absolute bollocks. At the end, she runs out of the pub, which is a nice little gentle slope down to a beach and the water. All of a sudden, she's run off a bit up the road. She's on some cliffs. Where did the cliffs come from? The cliffs are nowhere to be seen. How far has she run? She can't have run that far, but yet it's gone from this nice vista from the pub. All of a sudden, she's on these really dramatic cliff tops. And Matthew goes chasing after. It's like, where did the fucking cliffs come from? Also, she gets to the end of the cliff 
and she stood with a really worried look on her face. And at that point, I thought, oh, is she going to jump? This is a bit weird, because it doesn't feel like that she's waiting for anybody. She's got to the end of the cliff, and it's just like, right, that's it. I'm going to pitch myself off the end. Anyway, she doesn't jump, and Matthew Hugo's character turns up with a wedding ring, blah, 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 happily ever after. But, like you say, none of this makes any sense. None of this hangs together at all. And... Oh, yes, the ring. The, yeah, ring. the ring is the same ring that he used. I know it's his, his mother's ring, it's a family heirloom. It's the same ring he used to propose to his ex, who we basically see in a like montage scene for five seconds returning the ring to him with no conflict, no build-up. Again, it's mentioned towards the end of the movie that he had an ex-fiancé who ditched him for his best mate. But she returns this ring, and then he uses that ring to propose to Amy Adams. I mean, why would you want the ex-fiancé's ring? Answer no. me that, Bill. No, I can't, I can't answer it either. Also, yeah, we've been talking about Welsh, we've been talking about the Irish, but it does have stereotypical Italians as well, because they're the ones snogging passionately at the table. And these two Italians, uh, stereotypes that wouldn't be out of place in a Super Mario Brothers game. Basically, they turn up and it's like, hey, we're Italian, hey, we, we like the food. Yeah, I'm not kidding. That is where the Italian characters are pitched. It's offended the Welsh, it's offended the Irish, and it's also offended the Italians. It's offended me as well for a second time having to watch this shit. But that's minor compared to the sort of international incident this movie could possibly cause if it's screened. I don't know what Irish people think of this movie. I imagine they just take it in good grace and say, yeah, it's fucking shit, but it's just a movie. Some of the stuff in it, it's like, really? I mean, is this is this what passes for sophisticated romantic comedy? If you stick it alongside something like When Harry Met Sally, it isn't even in the same league. It's not on the same planet. I mean, if you stick it alongside a lot of other romantic comedies that are not quite as well-written and funny as When Harry Met Sally, it still comes off worse because this is one of the worst rom-coms I've ever seen, if not the worst. I'm trying to think of one that's actually more crap than Leap Year, and I am struggling at the moment. I may think of something later on after we've finished recording, but at the moment, Leap Year's sticking in my mind as just the very dregs of the rom-com barrel. And they always seem to think that the wackier the situation the funnier it gets. No, because none of the situations work. At some point, they just crash a wedding. These poor people who've had this wedding very graciously let them crash their ceremony. And then Amy Adams ends up in a another slapstick moment. Her shoe comes off and then it hits the bride in the head and cuts her forehead open. And whereas most things would be like, oh God, what's she done? The movie's like, oh, ha, ha, it's just a bit of fun. Yeah, yeah, you've injured the bride, but nobody's got killed. It's fine. It's like, it's like no, no, you've just, you've kind of ruined the evening for this poor bride. But the movie's like, oh, you know, the two characters, they're so cute and they're so lovable that they can get away with anything. No, fuck these two people. I mean, even if one of them is Amy Adams, she can't go around disrupting things like this. And the fact of the matter is she's supposed to be really, really organised, but yet she has two and a half hours to catch a train. And then sits around and then Declan says, oh, well, we can go and visit this castle. You'll be back in two and a half hours. And you can see the castle from the train station. And she still misses the fucking train just because it's contrived enough to keep them in another place so that it takes longer for her to get to Dublin. And she has to spend more time with Declan. 
It's crap from start to finish. None of it makes sense. None of it hangs together. There's no chemistry between anybody. The characters are boring. There's no laughs. There's no drama. The ending is complete wank. I've just got to say that this nothing in this movie works at all. And I am desperate to find something in this movie that I actually thought, yeah, that was funny, that worked. No, I can't find anything. When a movie will throttle a chicken for a laugh, why? Why is that? You know it's coming as well. Because he's proving that he's he's a bit of a manly man, kind of hunter-gatherer, and he'll kill stuff for dinner. And Amy Adams is in the middle of a conversation, and he just wrings this chicken's neck. Now, granted, you don't see it, it's off-screen, but... You know what he's done? And there's a fairly sickening sound effect accompanying it. Why is this being played for laughs? And and Amy Adams is kind of quite distressed at this, but then he's like, oh, yeah, you know, you're, you're providing for us. You've just fucking killed something, mate. And you're just passing it off as like, oh, well, you know, I had to kill this. No, uh, I'm sorry, Declan. You are an absolute knobhead. And the fact that Anna thinks that you're some sort of hero just because you throttled some poor defenceless chicken makes her as just as big of a knobhead as well. It's a movie full of characters I don't give a shit about. It's a relationship I don't give a shit about. And at the end, when you're supposed to be celebrating the fact that they are going to have a blissful life together and that they were meant to be together all the time, I don't give a shit about that either. I'm sorry, it's one big don't give a shit about this movie movie. From start to finish, Everything about it is just like, that wouldn't happen, that wouldn't happen. And even when you're thinking about the confines of a romantic comedy where you can give stuff a certain amount of leeway, this takes so many liberties that at the end of it, I just thought, I am not remotely bothered about what happens to these two people afterwards. Yes, Clifftop proposal, don't care, absolutely don't care. Don't care what they do from now on, they can both fuck off out of my life so I don't have to see them again and when that makes me feel that sort of thing about Amy Adams there is something wrong with this movie because Amy Adams is just such a genial and pleasant screen presence that if she's annoying me in a movie there's something fundamentally wrong with the way that the character is written because she can't even make me feel pleased for her character at the end of this movie I I have to apologise because I did pick this movie because it was leap year and it fit with the episode and it fit with the date that we were broadcasting it. However, I think that this is a bit of a misfire. It does mean that I could come on here and rant about it, but that's the only positive about it. It's 90 odd minutes of my life and £2.49 of rental. I am never getting back. I am never watching this movie again. I've watched it twice. I don't need to sit through it once more. It's utter crap from start to finish. Yeah, and that £2.49 rental fee is literally what stings about this because we've literally wasted money on absolute drivel. I don't mind a rom-com here and there. It's not really my favourite genre by any means. It just depends if they're done well and I can invest in the characters. We've covered so much Hallmark on this podcast since we've started. And, you know, there are times where we really rip into Hallmark and it's knockoffs. But I have to say, this could be one of the worst films we have ever covered on this podcast. If not the worst, it's worse than She's All That. Ooh, 
Well, I mean, it's I've worse than cheese all that. I will die on that hill. I've I've got history with cheese all that. I mean, <laughs> cheese all that annoys me in a different way. I think in terms of filmmaking quality, and I think in terms of plotting, cheese all that is better. It does hang together. It's better made. It's got a really weird angle on women, but in terms of actual quality of script and filmmaking, I think it does have the edge on Leap Year. I think out of the movies that we've seen. Tulpa's probably worse than this. However, I had a better time watching Tulpa. So in terms of entertainment value, I think this is down near the bottom of the pile, if not at the bottom. And everybody involved with it should be absolutely ashamed of themselves. It's certainly got some terrible reviews. Let's take a look at what some people thought of this movie. Starting with René Jordan from the El Nuevo Herald, who said... The worst film of 2010. Eddie Harrison at Film Authority said, So painfully contrived that it drains the spirit and disturbs the soul. Rarely has a film strived for laughs to so little effect. Donald Clark of the Irish Times, we have an Irish reviewer here, saying, If a worse film is released this year, I will eat my own weight in cuddly leprechauns. So I will, so I will. Nice one. Dustin Rolls from Pajiba. Straight into the point with this one. The quick deaths of the three leads would have saved the rest of us a lot of misery. Can't disagree with that. Empire Magazine Anna Smith said, Rubbish! Irish eyes will be hard-pressed to grimace, let alone smile. And then Wendy Eyde, who was writing for the Times, said, The film is packed with spontaneous acts of Irish country dancing and twinkly locals beaming over their guineas. Ireland should sue. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, cutthroat reviews, but I think we share their sentiments. If you have a look on the goof section of IMDb, this whole film is entirely pointless because it is geographically incorrect. So I'm just going to quote this from IMDb just to give you the full picture of why this film is a waste of time and it hasn't done its research. And as a geographically, it makes no sense. When flying from Boston to Dublin, Anna's flight is diverted to Wales. Unless she had a layover in London, the more likely diversion would be to Shannon Airport in the west of Ireland. She then takes a boat from Wales to Dingle. Again, unlikely, since Dingle is on the west coast of Ireland. While in Dingle, it is shown to be a tiny village, which it is, but not as small as depicted. Also, several shots are shown on the cliffs of Moher, north of Shannon, whereas Dingle is south of Shannon. So yeah, they're in a completely different part of Ireland for those cliff scenes for no reason. What a load of crap. Yeah, I can't defend this movie. I mean, normally, even if a movie is bad, I'll pick something to at least defend during it. But this, I, I can't think of anything that is going to make me leap to its defence at all. It's terrible. And it's continued to be terrible over the years. You know, you have this feeling that, oh, I saw it ages ago and maybe I'll have different feelings about it. No, not at all. This is awful. It was awful the first time. It's awful the second time. And the mountain of terrible reviews only back us up. Yes, I guess if you're very, 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 very undemanding about rom-coms, this might float your boat. But I can't see how because the characters are just not engaging at all. I don't particularly like them. 
not the fact that I'm not interested in them. They're just self-centered and they're just up themselves. And there's nothing that makes me want to take the journey with them. I guess that some people who haven't the faintest idea of what Ireland might be like might suddenly think, oh yeah, it's a wonderful place. And it is a wonderful place. I have been to Ireland. It's nothing like the island portrayed in Leap yet. Nothing at all. Even the rural bits are nothing like it at all. Either this person who wrote it or the people who wrote it have never been to Ireland or went there and just thought, oh, it, it needs judging up a bit. We're going to give it a bit more fantasy. Yeah? We're going we're gonna to throw in some more uh, fantastical elements and make it this picture postcard version of a country that you're never going to see, populated by locals who are very quirky and come out with weird stuff. Even the locals coming out with weird stuff, I couldn't give a shit about any of those either. No, no, it doesn't work. None of it works. And I hope that IMDb bears us out, but I've got a feeling that the IMDb score isn't all that bad. No, it's a very average score of 6.4 out of 10, which I don't really know how that's come to be. It's definitely more detested by critics than it is audience because on Rotten Tomatoes it has 24% tomato meter and 47% audience score, which is kind of getting to the 50-50 mark. There will be people that enjoy rom-coms and will watch any of them. They just want to get that little bit of fantastical romance in their life, bit of escapism. I mean, I, I get it, but most rom-coms of this standard they're all kind of the same plot you just throw in some good looking famous actors and it's just that kind of idealism isn't it i think that's what it is it's just that aspirational picture perfect romance that people strive to achieve and it's not realistic it's not real they knew each other for like three days how the hell did she know she wanted to marry this miserable irish guy who's not really Irish because we can't work out his accent and he mumbles for half the film. Oh, the other point I have to make out about this as well. So if you do decide to part with your hard-earned money and rent this on Amazon, if you put the subtitles on, they get so ahead of the dialogue, it's that distracting, you have to turn them off. Because <laughs> that's the problem I have. I always have subtitles on just because I like subtitles. I like to make sure I don't miss any bits of dialogue. I kind of needed it for this film with the mumbliness as well in it. But yeah, I had to forego those subtitles from the airplane scene, I think, because it was getting ahead of itself. It was really, really strange. So that's obviously not a film problem, but that's just a, a Amazon Prime problem. I mean, even the subtitles were trying to wish the film being over. It's like, right, let's get to the end. Let's just put all the subtitles as soon as we can. And then hopefully we can get to the end and then people will just switch it off. We didn't talk about the plane bit, actually. Yeah, that's a good point. In addition to chickens having their necks wrung as a source of laughs, there is potential airplane crashing as a source of laughs as well when the plane hits turbulence. Yeah, I mean... It's final destination, doesn't it? It's literally yeah. the oxygen masks fall down. Yeah. It's like panic mode. I mean, if you were in that situation in real life, you'd be absolutely terrified. Yep, absolutely. I've been in severe turbulence. And you know what? I wasn't fucking laughing one bit. So this movie making it out to be a huge comedy moment, it's like, no, no, I don't think that is the source of laughing. It's like, oh, the plane might drop out of the sky. Oh, tee hee. It's a movie that kind of is on the verge of making me angry about how misguided it is because everything about it is just either contrived 
or nudging you to say, oh, like, look, hey, isn't this amazing? Isn't this really funny? Aren't these people cute? No, it's not amazing. It's not funny. These people are not cute. They can all fuck off. And whoever decided that Leap Year was a go as a proposition, having read the script and said, you know, this is going to work. Yeah, people might have gone to see it. Yeah, it might have made a bit of money at the box office. But as a proposition for a romantic comedy, it falls completely flat. And I'm not saying that everybody will hate it, but for those people who do like it, how many fucking movies have you actually seen? Do you just stick any rom-com on and instantly think it's amazing, regardless of what the plot is and who's in it? Some of the Hallmark movies that we've covered, I mean, I take it all back. Some of those Hallmark movies, yeah, all is forgiven. Compared to Leap Year, they're fucking masterpieces. They've actually got proper plot and characters and a couple of laughs in. It makes Leap Year shoddy by comparison. So some of those Hallmark movies, in fact, Castle for Christmas. Castle for Christmas looked like fucking Citizen Kane at the side of Leap Year. <laughs> so all the stuff I said about Castle for Christmas, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to take that back because we have a new champion in the shit rom-com awards. It is Leap Year. Definitely. And another scene that we forgot to mention that I want to touch upon is when they're stranded on the road near the beginning after the whole cow scene as well, where they get blocked on the road by a bunch of cows, which is again meant to be funny. It's really not. It's not that funny. They get hijacked and Amy Adams's suitcase gets stolen, her Louis Vuitton suitcase, because she's so high maintenance and such an ambitious woman, gets stolen by this random guy. And then they're later found in the pub going through her suitcase, sniffing her underwear. And it's just really, really grim. And there's like a fight that breaks out. It's just, it's a really, really grim movie in a lot of ways. And it's just like all these hidden, dark aspects to it that they try and play for laughs. It, it just does not work. And it, it, it's, it's just got a bit of a sinister undertone, I think. Yeah, and I think you're right. I mean, when you said way back in the conversation that a couple of tweaks, this could be a horror movie quite easily because all the setups are very much horror movie the strange locations the weird characters that could be a horror movie as well the fact that they've leaned into the other aspect of it and made it a romantic comedy i think they've made a mistake i mean leap year could have been this kind of fish out of water horror movie where somebody turns up doesn't know the local customs is confused by some of the dialect is drawn into this web of deceit and then ends up in a wicker man and gets burned. That could have happened quite easily in Leap Year. I was kind of willing for that to happen by the end of this, but it doesn't. So sorry about that, folks. If you're waiting for Anna and Declan to get murdered by a load of vengeful villagers, doesn't happen. Everybody gets what they want at the end. Anna gets a relationship. Declan's pub doesn't get to close. All the repairs get done that he needs to do. It's a very idyllic ending. Everybody gets what they want, apart from Jeremy, who isn't really spoken of again. She leaves him, and then that's basically that bit of the plot tied up. Jeremy might have chucked himself out of the apartment building. We don't know. But it's and that's also the, the chicken. The chicken is oh, the, the chicken. main casualty of this. The yeah. chicken does not get what they want at the end of the no. film. They were happily yeah. enjoying life, hanging out with all the other chickens, yeah. laying eggs, minding their own business. Yeah. And then that bastard rings his neck. Yeah, exactly. So it's not, not good. does the dog die? The chicken does die, though. We're as opposed to having chickens die on screen as we are family pets. This is not a good thing, Leap Year. And 
I'm going to leave it there before I just start getting really sweary about it because it's a movie that I came into not wanting to knock spots off it just because it was a big studio rom-com. And I'm not a big fan of big studio rom-coms because I think they follow a certain formula. Having seen it again, I don't care. I don't care if it's a big studio rom-com. It's vapid. It's just lacking in any sort of heart whatsoever. And I absolutely fucking hate it. And I think it's just safe to say and to close off on, fuck this movie. I do wish we could chat longer. And that's it for episode 124 of the HD Movie Podcast. As always, thank you for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, you can check us out on social media if you'd like to. We are on X and Instagram at HD Movie Podcast. The Facebook return has not come to fruition just yet, but who knows what the future holds. So while you're all waiting for us to get back on Facebook, there's the matter of the next episode to look forward to. And... We're taking a bit of a left turn. We're heading towards animation. It's 1997's Anastasia, which is a movie that I have not seen. I can't believe this. You've not seen a movie and I have. Yeah, so this one was actually one of the films of my childhood. I remember going to see it in the cinema and I'm quite looking forward to revisiting it. I know it has some great songs in it and some beautiful animation, but also a lot of historical inaccuracies. So it's basically they've taken a real life story and Disney-fied it. So come back next week and check out what we have to say when I revisit Anastasia and Darren gets his first ever viewing. Until then, stay safe, everybody, and we'll see you soon. The HD Movie Podcast is presented by Hayley Alice Roberts and Darren Gaskell. Its music is written and performed by Mitch Bay. You can find the episodes on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Samsung Podcasts, Amazon Music, Podchaser, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Player FM, Listen Notes and Podbean.